This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, welcome. Yesterday I got called Uncle Fester. You people are mean to Tommy Lauren. Be nice to Tommy Lauren. What's wrong with you people? So I went girl dad. You can't offend anybody or you can't go at anybody wearing a girl dad shirt. Welcome. It is Don't At Me. What a beautiful day it is today. What a beautiful day. It is all across Tennessee. Unranked to start. Next thing you know, the vows are number one. But here's what I'm going to tell you. It's great. I know everybody in Tennessee was celebrating. I've talked about this before. Clay Travis, bunch of Tennessee folks said, wait a second, Shiano's not our guy. Get him out of here. Blah, you know, all right. Somehow, some way, they were listened to. Next thing you know, you got Josh Heupel in here. Next thing you know, you're number one in the country. That's number one. Number two, I've told you this story. I tried to get Urban Meyer hired at Indiana. Terry Claypax, the vice president of the university, Patted me on the head, well, Danny boy, little Danny, little Danny, we've already got our coach, the great Jerry DiNardo. Uh, my two words, huh, swah, swah, Jerry DiNardo? All right, well, anyway, Tennessee listened, and there it is, ladies and gentlemen, your top four. Now, here's my big take of the day, this doesn't matter. I mean, let's be honest. Georgia plays Tennessee. This is what I love about the college football playoff. I said it last year when you got your first introduction to me. I'm going to say it this year. I'll say it next year. I'll keep saying it. See this right here? See all of these guys? And you can add into it if you would like TCU, Oregon, USC, and LSU, although those guys maybe not so much. But everybody's going to get a chance to play their way in. LSU is 10th. They play Alabama. It's a play-in game. It's great. It's unbelievable. Uh, I would argue, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but Georgia taking on Tennessee this weekend in the, quote, game of the year, play-in game. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Ohio State, Michigan, play-in game. You know, we said yesterday, don't ever leave the ACC if you're Clemson. Don't leave it. Do not leave the friendly confines of Wake Forest being a real threat to you. Duke, North Carolina, oh, man, they got everything to be a good football program. Remember when that guy was at Duke, the uh, quarterback coach to the Stars, to the Manning? Yeah, well, he didn't do nothing. Yeah, well, he cut cliff. Yeah, he didn't do nothing. It's Duke football. So, as we sit here right now, one of the beautiful things that we have is we've got play-in weekend this weekend. Let's be honest. We've got a play-in weekend. Other than the Big Ten, what the heck? Let's just play it. Keep playing. That's why I don't put too much stock in this, but of course my school is never in this Indiana. But if Indiana were in this, ladies and gentlemen, if Indiana were sniffing around it, You know I'd be jumping up and down, standing on my head and crapping snowballs. You know that's what I would be doing. 
But I don't get all that excited. But I'll tell you who did get excited. Josh Heupel got excited. Let's show a little Josh Heupel and the excitement he showed on being named number one. Now, Josh, congratulations on being number one. When you took this job uh, in, before the 2021 season, how quickly did you envision becoming a national championship contender? Yeah, I don't know that we placed a, a time frame on it. I think that's one of the things that actually had our players buy into it, to what we're doing. We never set a ceiling. Uh, obviously, our guys' habits have allowed us to play really consistently here in the early part of the season. Uh, there's long ways to go. We obviously got a huge test this week in Athens, Georgia. Uh, but uh, I love competing with this team every Saturday. That's a good answer. When we're talking college football, I got to get my Bear Bryant hat on. I don't know why I wouldn't. I got girl dad and Bear Bryant. But Hypo's right. Look, here's the deal. When you're coaching, this is what happens. You want everything the same every week. You want to get into a bubble. You want to get into like a sheath around you like a film around you, and you never want to break outside of that. Yesterday, though, it broke outside, and that's all great, but now you got to get everybody back because, let's be honest, this matters big time. This matters big time in recruiting. This matters big time to players. This matters big time in showing players, you know, where you could be. The bar is really high. However, it all goes away very quickly. With a couple of losses. Last year we saw it with Michigan State, did we not? Kenneth Walker III was rolling. Mel Tucker was all the rage. Next thing you know, they couldn't get out of their own way. They got beat. They were out. Adios. And no one's talking about them anymore. And as a coach, that's all you're thinking about. I've told this story a million times. I became the interim head coach at Indiana, 2008. We didn't practice. We had all this stuff we're dealing with. We go to Northwestern. We win the game. Northwestern's by my hometown. My dad, my everybody's there. They're like, Dan, they're so excited. I'm like, yeah, okay, great, but I got a game Tuesday. That's how you look at it as a coach. So Heupel is absolutely right. He needs to celebrate it. It is massive. First team ever to go from unranked to the top. I mean, this is truly, truly amazing. And it's another reason why everybody should just listen in all areas to OutKick. They just should. I'm sorry, but they just should. You know, one of the things, we're going to talk to a couple folks here, and it's going to be a great show. Sean Alexander, did you know the freshman of the year in college football is the Sean Alexander Award? I'll let him talk about uh, that award. But I also got a couple of things to get to before we get to Sean and to Bobby Barack, who, by the way, is America's conscious. My Colts, how are you tanking? Our team's tanking. Teams are tanking. The Colts are tanking. Uh, I did not say that the Colts were tanking when they brought in the quarterback, Ellinger. In fact, I would argue that Ellinger is just fine. He's fine. He's good. He's fine. You know, I mean, we'll see. He, you know what he showed, Sam Ellinger? He showed enough to at least, at least, he's an NFL quarterback. Did he show he's a superstar? No. But then yesterday's a trade deadline. And you got to look at different things. Teams stayed pat. The Green Bay Packers. Teams got rid of half their team. Mike Colts, the Broncos, the Bears. Although the Bears made a trade to get a guy. I like what they did, even though it sounds weird, and I ripped them for two days. But the Colts went out. Think about this. They've got a guy with, well, they've got a guy with national champion track speed who can run inside, can run outside. His name is Naheem Hines. 
Naeem Hines is stud. They traded him. They traded him for a guy named Zach Moss, who's a backup running back, which I guess you could say Hines is, and a sixth-round pick. A sixth-round pick. What do you get out of a sixth-round pick? So you trade a guy that just made a great over-the-shoulder catch from the new quarterback, a guy that even the coaches said, ladies and gentlemen, they said, hey, look, if you have a fantasy team draft Naheem Hines and now in the middle of the season, they're done, they're out, gone. We told you this way back. I should get my Kings hat on. We told you this way back. This was going to be like MLB, Major League Baseball. This was going to be the same thing. Trade deadline comes, you got buyers, you got sellers, you got stand patterns. The coach Colts were a seller. And I got to tell you, three, four, and one in a crappy division, what are you, nuts? What are you doing? And by the way, if you are going to sell season tickets, at least the ones that I bought, cost six grand, three grand a piece. How about you give a little money back if you're going to tank, if you're going to make this a preseason game? Drives me bat blank crazy. All right, who's trying? I'll tell you who's trying. The Dolphins are trying. Bradley Chubb from the Broncos. It's a pretty sweet deal. Bradley Chubb can go get the quarterback. How about this? All right, now you got a first-round pick. Chase Edmonds and a fifth-round pick. Now, that's a deal. Look, Broncos are trying to build it. Broncos are laden with the worst contract maybe in the NFL. That contract, other than the $20 million the Colts are paying a left guard, if you can believe it, $20 million for a left guard, $20 million for a left guard. But now all of a sudden, Miami, who has the most accurate passer in the league, a guy that when they play Tua is undefeated, guess what? Now they got a dude that can go get the passer. They only had 15 sacks. Now they're going to get a bunch. It's a pretty good deal, man. Pretty smart. Uh, Bears got rid of all their defense. I like it. Tell you why. I don't know if Chase Claypool's great or not. I know he has some drops, but the dude seems like he's a coming. And the Bears, between a bunch of different guys, Herbert, Fields, this kid, have a bunch of guys in their 20s, Moonies, have a bunch of guys in their early 20s. 23 is all Justin Fields is. Think about that. What were you doing at 23? I'll tell you what I was doing. I was hanging out at Nick's English Hut. My career was over as a basketball player, and I was drinking beer every day and eating a J.R. Ewing burger. That's right, in Bloomington. Going there as a grad assistant, trying not to get yelled at uh, by Bobby Knight. That's what I was doing. This guy's leading the whole franchise. Good for him. I got to tell you, the Bears aren't tanking. The Bears are building. I didn't like what the timing of what they did, getting rid of Roquan Smith, getting rid of Robert Quinn, but hey, look, if you're going to get some weapons, get some weapons, and if you're going to get weapons, get young weapons. You can build this together. There might be something over the years brewing in Chi-Town. Oh, by the way, congratulations to my friends Waddle, Sylvie, and all the good folks at WMVP in Chicago. They just got the rights to the Chicago Bears, and those of you that know Chicago know that's a big deal. Cubs, Bears, biggest deals that there are. They have the Sox and they have the Bears. Good for them. Congrats, my friend. You've seen Sylvie and you've seen Waddle on the big show. Uh, the biggest trade of the day, the Vikings, the fighting Ryan Grigsons. You know, Ryan Grigson was a general manager of the Colts. And when Ryan Grigson was a general manager of the Colts, they went 16-0 in the division at one point. He never lost to the Titans. I'm going to say that again. 10-0 against the Titans. Do I need to say that again? Well, now, why am I bringing up Grigson? He's with the Vikings. 
Vikings are doing great. Vikings are leading the division. The division seems like it's theirs for the taking. But in terms of passing the ball downfield, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings were last in yards per completion. Well, guess what? T.J. Hawkinson coming in for Irv Brown, who's out for a few weeks with a high ankle sprain. T.J. Hawkinson solves a lot of the problems. And you know what? The Lions aren't going anywhere, so they got a bunch of picks. The thing about picks, do you trust the people making the picks? Do you? Do you trust? Like, we're in Indianapolis. Do you trust Chris Ballard and Frank Reich to make the picks? Do you? I don't know, man. I don't know. You know, at some point, do you trust the people with, with, the freaking Lions to make the picks. Colts fans, do you trust Ballard? Or more importantly, ownership. Ownership. Do you trust Ballard and Reich to make the picks? Ownership in Detroit. Do you trust whoever your GM is to make the picks? Seriously. That's a big question. That's a huge question. And we got to talk about that. Because, look, players get held accountable. Players get held accountable all the time. Hey, look, I'm not playing him. He fumbled. We don't trust him. Do you trust general managers? Do you trust ownership? Or, excuse me, do you trust the coach? It's an interesting question. And, again, I have said it, and I've said it, and I've said it. Hey, let me know when Sean is on, please. Do you trust him? That's interesting because everything in sports is about trust. When I coached basketball, sitting there at Bowling Green, we're playing Indiana. My team is right there. We're playing the Hoosiers. We're right there. I put a guy, I put a guy in that I didn't really trust, but I wanted him to play at Indiana. Three turnovers later, the game's over. They're blowing us out. You got to trust people. Sean Alexander is a stud. How are you, Sean? Brother, I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I am spectacular. I got to tell you, uh, I name awards after me, but the Sean Alexander Award for the nation's outstanding freshman is really cool, right? I mean, it's not like you're 172 <laughs> years old, right? This is, you know, yeah. I still view you as a young guy killing it with the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's wild. I, I am every time I think about it, I'm super honored, um, you know, being so young, um, having a war like, you know, everybody's like, yeah, who, who's the best college player? That's the Heisman, the Maxwell. Well, who's the best freshman? The Alexander. Everyone's like, you mean the guy that's like running down the street with his kids? Like, you know, like I've, I've got a one year old, so I'm still like fairly young, but I'm so honored to, to have it. And this will be our fifth year. Um, you know, we're part of the Maxwell Football Club family. So, so um, you know, Trevor Lawrence was our first one five years ago. And then uh, Kenneth Gainswell out of Memphis uh, uh, won it. And he's now with the Eagles and playing great. And then Will Anderson last year. And then uh, uh, two years ago. And then Brock Bowers last year, the tight end out of Georgia. Um, yeah, we've, uh, we've got a great selection committee. And uh, we've picked some fabulous guys. And uh, it's been really wonderful to go through the process of of looking at the, the, I call them the prince of college football, the next great athletes, and uh, and uh, it's pretty cool. You know, um, when you came in, you burst on the scene at Alabama, and and it was insane. 
like how, how good you were and then how good you became in the NFL. I feel like now um, we're, we're kind of used to freshmen having a major impact. Back in the day, freshmen had to redshirt a year. Now these dudes, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence and a couple other, these dudes are just ready to go like you were. Yeah, it, it's it's a uh, football's just changed a little bit in that I, I believe guys study film way more in high school now, and coaches are now coaching a similar way to kind of get them pro ready. And so guys come in to college. A lot of guys have the opportunity to come in and, and be pretty well, uh, pretty well off. I think the way guys train, you know, I had no idea what a sprint coach was. I got a sprint coach right after my senior year at Bama. Now you got guys do sprint training in high school. And so you get all these opportunities for guys to uh, to give themselves a chance to play. And if their bodies grow, some guys look like men at 19. You know what I mean? And so so you you uh, you get uh, you get that opportunity and it just falls in the right place. It's uh, it's pretty wild how college is, has matured up the uh, the mind of the football player, as well as some of the guys who just physically are just they're just massive, massive men and teenage bodies, you know. Sean, I want to get into a couple of things. First, congratulations on going into the Seattle Seahawks uh, ring of honor. What, what's that mean to you? And while we're talking Seahawks, what do you think so far of Geno Smith and the work done there? Oh, man. So the ring of honor was just special. I mean, to uh, to be honored in that kind of way, um, you know, coming, especially, you know, Mike Holmgren was my coach. He was the he was the um, the super young, brilliant guy up under Bill Walsh that that helped call the plays with the 49ers and Joe Montana. You know what I mean? Then he then he has Steve Young. Then he goes to Green Bay, becomes a head coach, has Brett Favre. And then to come to Seattle and change some of his offense, you know, they're not slinging around They're They're giving it to 37 in the backfield, you know, 20, 30 times a game. Uh, it was just awesome because that's not the way Coach Holmgren was used to, to calling the play. So so to see that and to go through the tough uh, uh, toughness of that and then, um, you know, have a great team, great offensive line. People thought of Seattle when I got there. Um, it would be like go out, go go to the market, get some good fish, and then go win a football game. And you know, I think they had three three playoff seasons, maybe two conference championship or division championships in their history in 25 years when I got there. And for us to win five, go to playoffs five years in a row, win the division four years in a row, go to Super Bowl, um, to change the culture to we are a team that's going to win. Um, it's just been awesome. And so to be put in the ring of honor with some of the other greats, Walter Jones, you know, Steve Largent, you know, he's Mr. Seahawk, uh, Cortez Kennedy, won the defense, he was the Aaron Donald of the, of the nineties. You know what I mean? Uh, it's uh, it, it's just pretty, it's pretty special. Sean, you, you, uh, you learned from Cortez Kennedy. I, I was reading about you. You've learned, you were smart enough to pay attention to some older guys, Hall of Famers like Cortez Kennedy, Ricky Waters, and that spilled over into your work in the community. And I got to tell you, I do some work in the Indianapolis community, but I feel bad, man. The stuff you do is just nonstop and fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I believe in mentorship. I believe in having great minds and great leaders around you. And I believe in giving that back. And so a lot of stuff that I've done was 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 trying to go be to other people what I thought was given to me. And uh, and so helping people in the community, helping pull families together, helping people that have made mistakes uh, get back on their feet and go be the best version of themselves. 
that's what I'm all about. Um, watching people grow in their identity and grow in their faith. Those, those are all just parts of who I am. And, uh, and it's been really a great joy to see that um, trickle into other people's lives. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're mentoring kids, you're homeschooling kids. I mean, the money you're giving, the the, the organizations <laughs> you're starting, man. I, I, was this always inside you? Like, was this, you know, as, as a kid? A lot of us as kids, we looked up to athletes. So when we became somebody, others are looking up to. It's just natural to give back. Was that how it was for you? Um, it was, and, and my mom, you know, my parents were were divorced at a young age. I think I was ten or eleven years old. And, uh, you know, just the idea of family because of aunts and uncles and cousins, I'd always desired to create family in every situation. And then I just believe like if family, if family's around, usually greatness shows up out of somebody, like somebody gets to become the, the greatest version of themselves with people that really love them being them. And so, uh, so that's been a lot of, a lot of it, you know, um, and then my mom, she was, she was the big mama of the neighborhood. Everybody got a big mama of the neighborhood. And so that was my mom. And so seeing her try to pull people together, still always encouraging people. Um, I, I wanted that kind of life. And so that's what I, that's what I sought after. Um, when you, you got 11 kids going on right now. That's why we're doing this because yeah. you're involved I mean, what, what's a day in your life like? Well, you know, you got to have some great priorities and everybody has to be willing to bend their schedules just a little bit. So we, get, we create great structure, but we, we make everything, um, as I would say, I look on my marker board and I draw up my, the schedule out for the day, for the week, but I put an erasable marker. So you can definitely see it. And you also know that if we need <laughs> to, we can rub, rub off the thing and shift it around a little bit. But it has to be like that with so many people. And so, you know, this morning I got up and uh, there's a young man that's in the college, uh, in the college that's close to our house. And we we sat around and we were talking about marriage. And then I grabbed my two oldest sons. We drove and dropped one of them off to practice. And then and then while he's at practice, the other one and I went and got some breakfast. And then we drove back and scooped them back up. And uh, and uh, and then I jump in out here on the car with you, Al. And so it's just a lot of structure, a lot of very intentionality in everything that you do. And then we know if we got to shift the plans, um, that it's okay to have to shift plans. It's okay to say, yeah, we can't do that. Um, that's just all a part of it. Hey, uh, tomorrow, back to the award, the Sean Alexander Award, tomorrow the finalists are going to be announced, are they not? Yeah, the, we're, we're actually announcing the, the, the semifinalists. So it's the top 14 guys. I call them semi. the fabulous 14. Yeah, yep, the semifinals. And, and uh, you know, at Alabama, we were part of the class that only got 14 scholarships. Uh, and so I called the Fab 14 in honor of those 14 guys that were on scholarship with me. And, um, and so November, we always pick out um, the, uh, the Fab 14, and these are the, fr- the, the, the 14 semifinalists for the uh, freshman player of the year. It's always, of course, because it honors – my class. It also honors the uh, LSU game where I had that great that great freshman game uh, where we jump on the scenes and um, and it's really cool because we've got another talented group of guys. You know, we always try to base the award around four four characteristics. Uh, um, number one is talent. Their talent just jumps off the page. Um, number two, we call them legends. That's what the NFL calls a, a player that played in the NFL. We call them legends. So we think that there is an NFL quality about them. 
Uh, number three is character. We we watch them and we think, you know what? <laughs> I'm too young, like we said, for you to be a knucklehead. <laughs> you know, or, as Coach Williams, my running right. back, Coach Alabama says, I can't have a I can't have a donkey named after me. You know what I mean? So 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 we really <laughs> um, we really try to get to know the guy um, well enough. You know, like we say, none of us none of us were were angels and uh, and saints, but but um, but we can't we 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 try to have a guy of, of good character. And then number four, we call him the ambassador. An ambassador is somebody that speaks on behalf of someone else. So I always just look at the school and I just ask them, hey, would this guy be a great representation of your school? Top to bottom for the rest of y'all's, y'all, rest of this kid's life, would you say this is an ambassador of, you know, Alabama? That's Will Anderson. Of Georgia, that's Brock Bowers. Of Clemson, that's uh, Trevor Lawrence. Of of Memphis, that's Kenneth Gainswell. So when, they, when we know that they can say yes, that this is a kid as an ambassador, those four things together help us pick the award. And uh, and uh, we we I feel like we've been four for four so far. Two hundred ninety-one yards—a game that Sean is talking about. Four touchdowns. First carry, seventeen-yard touchdown. Oh, okay. Second carry, seventy-three-yard touchdown. Man, not bad. Hey, uh, by the way, <laughs> when Alabama loses a game, it's like national news now. Like people rushing—they're throwing goalposts. <laughs> I tell you what, man. What a great thing to be a part of the history tradition of Alabama and be a massive part of it. One of the all-time greats. Yeah, it's man, it's it's so special to be an Alabama alum. It's special to know that I was one of the people that was was part of the sewing fabric of of the the back end of the '90s. You know, uh, the SEC championship that we won, beating Florida Gators twice. When that that was when those Steve Spurrier Gators, you know what I mean? That's when they they had, they had a yeah. six year winning streak at home, and we go in and we just shatter that. And and all we we used to always say to each other, you know what? We got to make it where people just hate playing against Alabama, and they just hate Alabama. Why? Because we're always going to be the elite team that's got a lot of class, and and uh, just so proud of what Nick Saban's done. You know, people always talk about us paying him so well. He's worth every cent. <laughs> and uh, and, yeah. uh, and just the guys, the, the work ethic the guys have. Like, you know, I was I was just talking with some of the uh, Bama guys, uh, Trent Richardson and Bo Scarborough last night about the LSU game and, and how special that game is. But the guys, we all know, you're not going to retire a jersey at Alabama. You're going to carry on the torch. And that's a part of it where – you're, it's not about just you by yourself. It's about can you can you pass on this torch that's been going on a century that says we will be the best university, the best football school in the country year in, year out. Um, I will be one of the best running backs. I will be one of the best linemen. I'll be one of the best DBs. I'll be one of the best linebackers. Can you carry that kind of pressure? Can you carry that kind of weight? And, uh, and we get guys that say yes, and, and it, it gets become pretty wonderful. See, I think that's awesome. I played basketball at Indiana for Bob Knight, and uh, it's exactly the same thing. We were not going to retire jerseys, but when you wore – like I wore Isaiah Thomas's jersey right after him, and I felt like, man, I better get going here. You know what I mean? I mean, you're wearing number 11. That's, that's right. Sick, man. You know, I understand. Yeah. That's it. I totally get what you're saying. Hey, does it hurt the Tennessee's yeah. number one? Nah. No, because there's a game in December. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the great thing about football, you know. We, we know that a team can beat us by three because we miss a 50-yard field goal and they're going to rip down their, their, uh, their goalposts. 
Do you not do you not think do you not know that we already know we won? You know, what I mean? like so like we 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 get it, you know? We get it. And we want we want people to feel like that. We want people to feel like if they beat us, it is it is worthy of them having the greatest memory in the world. Cuz when we beat them, you know, what we call it we call it Saturday. <laughs> right. I knew, so, I knew that was coming. Yeah, it's just, yeah it's, it's not a big deal to us and and so we 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 don't mind the fight there's there's hard practices every week at alabama back into the 1900s you know what i mean and so so like that we so we don't mind having a fight on saturday we actually think it's great it wakes us up and uh and so i think that alabama's gonna play play great against lsu keep our keep our thing going and then We'll hopefully get to see Tennessee or or, or Georgia. I mean, they got to play each other, and um, you know, and then we'll we'll see what happens. That's kind of what I just said. I go, look, it's great, but let's be honest, right? I mean, it's uh, it's going to play itself out. So <laughs> whatever you did to this point is wonderful, gets you there, but it's all going to play itself out. And Bama, Bama will have a chance. Sean, it's great talking to you, man. Really, really fun. Uh, researching, getting to know about your history, what you're doing in the community, and the Sean Alexander Award. Hope you'll come back. Thank you, Sean. Brother, this was great, man. I will. Thanks, Sean. That's a legend right there, Sean Alexander. And the Sean Alexander Award is given to the top freshman in college football. And like I said, it's not like this guy's 110. This isn't like the Red Grange Award back from 1908. Zero. This is, you know, now. I got a lot to get to. Remember yesterday? Look at the red on the head. Uh, yesterday I told you about Steve Nash. Well, you know what happened to Steve Nash. I'll tell you why it's a great thing. Probably for everyone involved. Also, hey, look, I ain't mad. I put my college football hat back on. I ain't mad at Mel Tucker. Good for Mel Tucker. Good for Michigan State. We'll talk uh, about that. And Joe Biden just keeps lying. If you don't vote these guys out, I don't know what to tell you. But it, it is, what is it? It's a day that ends in Wednesday. That means, or excuse me, it's a day that ends in Y. That means Joe Biden's line will get into all of that. And America's conscious, ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Barack. Go check him out on Twitter. You'll love what he writes. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Let's not mess around. All right, let's not mess around. I told you yesterday, I'm going to tell you today, this is why Steve Kerr had to go. First, it's a horribly coached basketball team. And I heard my friend Nick Friedel on ESPN earlier today talk about this. It's the most miserable group he's ever seen. He's been there for about two weeks covering this train wreck. So Steve Nash gets fired yesterday. Do you remember yesterday during the day I told you this is the worst coach team I've ever seen? I'm literally watching the game. They beat the Pacers. They did. They beat the Pacers. I'm literally watching, and Steve Nash is drawing up a play over here, and Kyrie Irving and a couple guys are over here like this, and he's drawing it up to like a guy, Royce O'Neal, who has to listen to him because he doesn't have $190,000 million bazillion in the bank. So this guy's got to listen to him. These other guys aren't, and I got to tell you, It's the best thing ever for Steve Nash. Now, you're going to say, no, it's not. I'm going to say, yes, it is. Why would you want to be there every day? You're a two-time, two-time MVP. I'm going to equate this 
to Derek Jeter. What do you see now? You see 30 for 30s on Derek Jeter. You see commercials with Derek Jeter in it. Uniforms when Derek Jeter was a kid in these commercials. You see all this stuff. Why do you see all this stuff? Because Derek Jeter was smart enough to get out of ownership of a franchise that can't win the Florida Marlins. He got out of a losing situation. So then it got comfortable to show his greatness. Certainly the 30 for 30 helped. We get all that. But the truth of the matter is, Derek Jeter is now back. He's back as a winner. He's no longer tied to a team that loses 100 games every year or whatever the hell the Florida Marlins are, and that's even worse, and nobody even knows what the Florida Marlins are. All right? Steve Nash, he is with a losing operation that isn't going to do anything but lose with this particular group. They got bad players other than the two guys that can go get a bucket. They got a bad culture because of the two guys that can go get a bucket. So you know what we get to do now? We get to, if we want to, we get to celebrate Steve Nash. Yay, Rob, go fight, win. That's what we get to do. So don't feel bad for Steve Nash. No. No, 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 feel good for him. All right. Next thing, Michigan state, the Spartans, Michigan state and their fans have always been the worst of the worst. I mean, the worst of the worst Colts fans are the best Colts fans. Hey, look, they're starting to wake up a little bit, but Colts fans will show up. Michigan fans, those kind of, you know who they are. They're the best. They're, they're going to show up and everybody, it's like a cult. It really is like a cult at Michigan. Everybody looks the same. Everybody looks like me right now. Never again am I going to let the side rails grow, by the way. I don't like it. I like more Kojak uh, than I do that guy on the office. Not doing it. That's why I'm wearing a hat today. But I got to tell you this, and I'll keep telling you this. Um, when you go about the business of sports and fandom, you got to say, all right, who are we? Last night, Philadelphia. Are you kidding me? Incredible crowd. Next thing you know, boom, 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 boom. Colts fans, they got ripped for booing Andrew Luck way back in the day when Andrew Luck announced his retirement, or didn't announce his retirement. It got leaked while he was on the field during a preseason game. Sparty fans have always been jackasses. Sparty fans are mean, nasty, insecure mostly. But you know what? Sparty, the university's always been the same way. Until now. I'm going to give Mel Tucker credit. He suspended four more guys. That's right. He suspended four more guys from his team. Hell, there's video. Let's show you the brawl so you know what we're talking about. There was a nasty brawl right here in the tunnel at Michigan Stadium at the big house after these guys got their brains beat out. And there is more video. The ABC cameras show a player actually named Crump actually putting his helmet on to go whoop some ass. He's a real tough guy, that guy. But long story short, Michigan State is taking this very seriously. It's un-Michigan State-like. Usually when Sparty has something, they make excuses. Usually when Sparty has something, they run behind America's most fawning media. Usually, when Sparty has something, 
uh, to get anything done, you got to go to other media sources. Exactly what happened in the Larry Nasser case. Larry Nasser was at Michigan State. Larry Nasser was at USA Gymnastics. The in-pocket media of Michigan State, like most major programs, the local media has to have access. There was nowhere for athletes to go. So where did those athletes go? They reached out to Maria Kwiatkowski and the folks at the Indy Star back when the Indy Star was reputable. Well, guess what? Now, Sparty is actually taking responsibility. Now, Sparty is actually within their athletic program. Somebody other than Tom Izzo is actually holding players accountable. It's good to see. Mel Tucker has said, look, we're going to suspend now eight guys. We are going to work with the authorities, which is a tough thing for a coach to say, believe me. Believe me, it is a tough thing for a coach to say. I mean, a tough thing. You got to go in that locker room and you got to explain to, well, your players, how you're going to the police and work with the police on them. That's tough. That is very, very tough. And I applaud them for doing it. I applaud them for doing it because they have taken the fawning media out. They have taken the pandering media, the legendary pandering. It's all about uh, Sparty. It's all about East Lansing. It's all about, you know, us. No place for athletes to go when bad things happen. No place. So I love it. I absolutely love it. They've taken them out of the equation. They're working with authorities, and they are suspending people. We'll see what happens with the authorities. We'll see moving forward. Uh, But the truth of the matter is I like what we're seeing, and I applaud. I do. I applaud um, Michigan State. I do. Some people may not. Some people may say, what are you talking about? I'm just telling you. I applaud Michigan State's handling of this thus far. Look, you can blame it on anybody you want. I blame it on the players. Hell, every coach is telling you to have poise. Every coach is telling you, you know, to, I don't know, telling you to what? Hey, don't hit people. Don't put on your helmet. Don't swing your helmet. You know what I mean? No, they're just suspending people, and I applaud the living hell out of it. All right, Jolton Joe Biden, baby. Jolton Joe Biden. If it's a day ending in Y, if it's a day ending in Y, you know what Jolton Joe Biden does? He lies. Let's talk about it. If it's a day ending in Y, Joe, Joe Biden lies. I don't know if that sounds very good, but I like it. Jolton Joe Biden. Do we, can we, is there video? Is there video on Joe Biden? Can we show a little bit of Joe Biden? And they talk about inflation. You know, we're dealing with it for a whole second. Inflation is a worldwide problem right now because of a war in Iraq and the impact on oil and what Russia's doing. I mean, excuse me, the war in, in Ukraine. And uh, thinking of Iraq because that's where my son died. The, uh, because he died. The, uh, but the point is... I thought this was the no excuses president. 
I thought this was the guy that was going to get all the excuses out of everything. I thought this was the guy, the buck stops here. I thought this was that guy. I thought this was the guy that we saw all these excuses out of Donald Trump. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to see any excuses out of me. Hell, he lies every day. Inflation was up before the war. Inflation was up the minute his policies took place, and that was the day after the inauguration. Inflation is a mess. The dude said that gas is $5 when he took office a couple years ago. It wasn't. His son, and it's so tragic, his son didn't die in Iraq. His son died six years later of cancer. Maybe it was caused by Iraq. Maybe that's what he's saying. I don't know. But every single day, this guy looks at you and makes an excuse and lies. Now, let me ask you another question. This is just the way I look at it. Aren't we supposed to be leaders? Isn't the United States supposed to be in a leadership position? I don't care whether Guam has inflation. I feel bad for the people that live in Guam. Other places have inflation. Aren't we supposed to be better? Aren't we just supposed to lead? Hey, look, my neighbor actually turned me in, my brother and I, for swearing when we were little kids. You know what our answer was? Well, Joy Mullen was. Chris Melham was swearing too. Yeah, you know what that got us? Squat. Soap in mouth. Old school. True story. What did I do when I left? I went out and swore at my neighbor who ratted me out. That's right. That's right. You can't slow this tongue down even back when I was like eight, baby. But the truth of the matter is, aren't we supposed to be above what others are doing? And look, I really believe this. Although with Trump, we didn't see it because, well, he screwed himself by being kind of a pig. And of course, the tweets that made people nuts. But what if we just had somebody that was honest in there and said, you know what, I'm not sure these policies are working. I'm going to change it up. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to do something about it. That used to be the way things went. What if we had somebody in office that really did bring people together? Every day I hear out of this group how bad the Republicans are, how bad MAGA is. Are you a MAGA? Hell, this white dude, the whitest of all white dudes, actually told African-American people, you ain't black if you don't. What? It's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. It really is. There can't be a single person out there. But today there'll be more lies. These aren't misstep. Well, here's one. From the White House. From the White House. Seniors are getting the biggest increase, listen to this, in their Social Security checks in 10 years through President Biden's leadership. Okay. Well, one of the things that Elon Musk has added was a little bit of fact-checking. Here's the fact-check. SSA, Social Security, whether at, or excuse me, .gov, backslash history, backslash 1972. Listen to this. Seniors receive a large Social Security benefit increase due to the annual cost of living adjustment, which is based on the inflation rate. President Nixon in 1972 signed into law automatic benefit adjustments tied to the consumer price index. I mean, this is actually from the White House. This is where the lies emanate from. So we have a fact check. It's called the community notes feature. 
And Elon Musk said the goal, I'm reading from here, our goal is to make Twitter the most accurate source of information on Earth with regard, without regard to political affiliation. It's truly amazing how these guys, and I'm not saying Trump didn't. I mean, if that's your answer, then God bless you. If your answer is, well, Trump, then I got nothing for you, but he ain't the president, hasn't been for two years. My well, Trump, is gas prices were down, market was up, economy was booming, people had jobs. Uh, the the uh, minority wage was higher than it's ever been. Shut up. That's what I say. But anyway, he's not the president. But every day, every day, we are going to lie about this. Hell, yesterday, uh, my man Biden said that he talked to the guy that invented insulin. The guy that invented insulin died in 2014. The guy that invented insulin, he never spoke with. Actually, he died way before that. Uh, Look, if any of your friends are still pulling for this guy, just ignore him. There's no sense in arguing. There's none. I mean, what are you going to argue about? You got a crazy person. All right. Here's the deal. I want to go back to Adam Silver. Adam Silver is a coward. Adam Silver is a pandering coward. I was talking to my brother yesterday. My brother married a Jewish gal. My brother's children, my nephews and nieces are raised Jewish. I said this the other day. Adam Silver has refused, absolutely refused, to do anything relative to the NBA Kyrie Irving promoting, and Kyrie Irving can say he didn't, but he did. He has done nothing when it came to the anti-Semitic promotion that Kyrie Irving did. Now, imagine if this was somebody, a white guy, talking about the African-American community. This is why I say Silver is a coward. Silver would jump up and down, stand on his head and crap snowballs and lose his mind absolutely every minute of every day to pander to his players, which is fine with me. Make a racist comment, you should be. Make an anti-Semitic comment, you should be out of there. There's no reason for Kyrie Irving to be, to be on the court playing right now. He needs to be done. He needs to be educated. He needs to be suspended. And players need to speak up. See, Reggie Miller came out on TNT and talked about all the greatness of past players standing up. And while you can disagree with their stance, see LeBron James, it's hard to argue. You know, going way back, guys like Luel Cinder, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, stood up. You can talk about Colin Kaepernick. You can talk about all these guys. But, hey, look, Luel Cinder and others stood up. Going back to Michigan State, Back in the early 70s, there was some racial tensions within their program. Players stood up. They said, we ain't playing. See, but nobody wants to stand up to anti-Semitism. People only want to stand up, at least NBA people, Adam Silver, when it comes to the African-American community, and they should. But there's nothing right with what Kyrie Irving did. There's absolutely nothing, no way, impossible to defend, but yet nothing. There's no way to defend violence in the workplace like what Draymond Green did, but nothing. There's no way to defend Emi Udoka if, in fact, you are going to say you can't use your position to have affairs with women in your organization or women with men. 
In every case, the commissioner's office has stepped aside. In every case, the commissioner's office has been gutless, cowardice, and pandering. Now, Udoka, guess what he gets to do? He gets to go leave Boston where he's suspended and go be the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. I don't think it's that easy for most people who have workplace violations of not only affairs, but legitimate relationships where they don't, where they don't tell HR, next thing you know, they're fired. NBA has its own structure. NBA has its own set of rules. NBA is outside the law. There's no question about it. The NBA does not operate the way your workplace does, the way my workplace does. Hell, I told you this. The other day, I went to a workplace. They told us not to start emails with guys. They said, folks, it's more inclusive. I'm down with that. I've been using folks for forever. That's all right. I'm cool with that. But I got to tell you, that's fine. But that ain't punching somebody in the workplace. That ain't stooping somebody in the workplace. It ain't. But man, the NBA operates outside. So this is why I say, and you can get mad, glad, angry, or sad at me. But the truth of the matter is, if I'm Robert Sarver, and I'm the owner of the freaking Phoenix Suns, and you got some things that I wrote in an email while horribly egregious, I ain't selling. I'm learning. I'm going to learn. I'm going to educate myself. I'm going to make amends, but I ain't selling because I've seen the NBA doesn't really care. Yeah, they can target the easy guy. They can target the middle-aged old white guy. That's easy. But if I'm Robert Sarver, I'm standing up. It may be hard. What are they going to do? Write an article about you? Who cares? Oh my God, did you see that article? Has anybody ever died from an article? Maybe weak-minded guys, I don't know. But you get an article, you're like, so what? Who cares? I got to tell you, it's amazing to me. It really is. The NBA, A, they ain't for anybody but the NBA. They don't care about women. They don't care about workplace violence. They don't care about the Jewish community. Hell, a lot of, Jew- a lot of the owners are Jewish. What did, uh, what did Charles Barkley say? I think the NBA dropped the ball. I think Adam should have suspended him. You're not going to take my $40 million and insult my religion. You know what the NBA is afraid of? Oh, man, you're racist. Adam Silver, you're racist. That's the biggest fear of guys like Adam Silver. Because Adam Silver has made his mark, uh, what's the right word? Pandering to a media, pandering to players, allowing workplace violence, allowing relationships that are inappropriate in the workplace. Now allowing a player to take $40 million and be an anti-Semite or at very least promote anti-Semitism behaviors, movies, whatever the hell. And it ain't right. It ain't right at all. I'm sorry. It ain't right. Hebrews to Negroes, Wake Up Black America, had all kinds of different anti-Semitic tropes, whatever the hell a trope is. And Kyrie Irving's promoting it. And nothing's being done other than to pay him his 40 freaking million. Guy knocks out another guy in the workplace. Not while they're going after a rebound premeditated, walked up on not a thing done. Not a thing done. Emi Udoka, whoever the hell this guy is, 
slinging it around, stooping everything in its wake. Married, not married. Not a thing done. NBA don't care. I'm done with the NBA. I am. I'll see you when you decide to do what the rest of us in society are doing, and that's act like people. Just act like people. I got to tell you, it's unbelievable. It really and truly is. Uh, Back to something else. I got a nice little piece of hate mail yesterday. I prefer hate mail. I got two things. I got two things. One, I got hate mail yesterday. Says I need help. Says I need meds. The other one, Dan, you're doing great. Make up your mind, people. Guy gave me $100 to my bikes program. Make up your mind. Please. Do I need meds? Am I a disgrace? Am I sick? Or am I doing a great job and you want to give me $100 for my bike program? I prefer you give me $100 to my bike program. All right. Last thing before we go to break. The great Chris Felica chimes in. Dan, every AFC team on the fence of the playoffs should be asking themselves, are we really beating the Bills and or the Chiefs? The answer is likely no. All such organizations should be making moves for their long-term benefit, whatever those are. See, I disagree with that. I think that goes against everything that football stands for. I think that goes against everything sports stands for. You make a big deal. I understand what Chris is saying, and I don't disagree with it ideologically. I disagree with it. What's the right word? Um, I disagree with it emotionally. Like, people pay a lot of money, myself included, to go to game. $6,000 a year, season tickets. Good good seats, too. All of a sudden, you're going to be like baseball and sell off? No. Give me some money back. That ain't what I paid for. I disagree. I think football, anything can happen. I think football, anybody can come out of nowhere as long as your team keeps getting better and your team shows a toughness. Last year, the Tennessee Titans used 91 players, a record, just kept getting guys hurt and hurt and hurt. They're the number one seed. Yeah, they didn't win, but they were the number one seed over 17 games. They were the best team. That's what I like. I don't disagree with the Bears. probably right. But you're telling me getting rid of Naheem Hines for a guy named Zach Moss in a six-round pick? Nuh-uh. That ain't good for nothing. Six-round pick, great. Tom Brady was a six-round pick, great. Sam Ellinger was a six-round pick, great. Okay. I don't like it. I told you it was coming. I said it was coming. I told you it was going to be like baseball. I told you everybody was going to start doing this, and I don't like being right. I'm right so often, I just don't like being right. America's conscious. Bobby Barack next. You want to hear, Bobby. We're going off. Hey, by the way, uh, I won a little more money last night on DraftKings. No joke. I did. Go to outkick.com slash bet. Uh, I took a little parlay. You're not going to believe this, but Maxion helped me out. I got, the, I got the Ball State Cardinals and the Philadelphia Phillies. I did in a parlay. Won a couple hundred bucks. I'm on a roll here. It's incredible. Go to outkick.com slash bet. Go to my Twitter handle, at Dan Dockage. I swear to you, all of a sudden, you're going to be like, damn, I'm making money because I've started to wise up. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. This is a side note. Maybe I'll talk about it at the big ending, but I'm tired of Matthew Perry, the guy from Friends. Not Matthew Barry. I like Matthew Barry. 
Matthew Perry, the guy from Friends, seems like a little bitch to me. I've had enough. Like, writing books, talking crap, I, I just don't like it. Anyway, but I do like writers, particularly this one. America's conscious, ladies and gentlemen, the great Bobby Barack. Hey, you are having, you're having an article coming out right now or coming out as soon as maybe you get off of this about Elon Musk taking over Twitter and its effect on the left and the right. Yeah, um, I'm hoping to have it out here around 11 noon. Sometimes uh, the writing process slows me down. I feel like as I write more, the slower I get. <laughs> so there's that. But I find this story fascinating because, Dan, there's always been this argument that Twitter's not real life. And that's backed up by some data that says only about 23% of American adults are active on Twitter. So what that says is Twitter directly affects about 20% of the country. However, I argue Twitter indirectly affects nearly everybody because what Twitter has become is what I would say the target audience of most major U.S. institutions from the media to entertainment to at least one side of the political aisle, certainly from Hollywood and academia. And those are institutions and industries that affect everybody. Twitter is the default editor of the corporate press, so it's influencing the media that all we consume. So I think, by and large, Twitter is indirectly affecting all of us. And for so long, Twitter has been rigged to one side. They've done that through censorship, a top-secret algorithm that Elon Musk vows to open up and be transparent about. Now, look, Elon Musk is not going to give the opposition an edge, but what he is doing is evening the playing field. I think we're going to see the reaction to a lot of topics change in the public conversation is going to tilt more towards the middle because the influence Twitter has had and the imbalance has existed for so long. How long do you think this takes? What do you see? And, and there's a fact-checking deal now, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and Elon Musk has said he wants to be the most honest source of information regardless of political uh, affiliation. How long does this take? What what's the what's the time frame? Well, I think we'll see it pretty quickly. Just as far as people being more open about their opinions, there was a study um, last August that sixty four percent of American users were afraid of giving their honest political opinion because of backlash or cancel culture or ambushes or pylons. I think we're going to see right away people be more open about opinions that they weren't sharing before. And what that does is it shows corporate and business and political leaders that there is another side. So what happened before is most of these issues were split 50-50, but on Twitter, it was a lot of times 80-20 or 90-10. So that convinced influencers that one side was the consensus, that there wasn't a divide on a lot of these issues, and that one side was correct, and one side was devious and racist and transphobic. And you're going to see that even out now and really influence, I think, the direction of some of these brands. When, when Musk came in and you saw all those guys leaving, you know, all of a sudden he's getting ready. And, and look, I don't feel bad for those Twitter executives. I mean, hell, they got big-time golden parachutes. Uh, and I looked at those guys and I thought to myself, yeah, I could see, maybe it's unfair, yeah, I could see a left lean here. Had Twitter always been this way? What's the hit? Do you have any sense of the history here on all this? 
Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question because I, I think Jack Dorsey, the former CEO, made a lot of mistakes. But I think he was honestly a fair man and I think he wanted to make Twitter a better place. Um, I think Twitter, like a lot of tech companies and stuff, like they live in a bubble. I think a lot of the executives reside in Silicon Valley, New York, Los Angeles. They hang out with rich celebrities and influencers and Ivy League educated entrepreneurs from Yale, Harvard. I think that really you know, causes you to have a closed mind and brainwashes you to a certain ideology and worldview and just, you know, I think a reluctance and intolerance of other views. Um, so I think Twitter really showed its leanings during President Trump's reign, um, particularly after 2020. In, in, in most Prevalently, during COVID, um, Twitter had suspended and banned and suppressed people who just pointed out accurate assumptions about the COVID pandemic. And I think the biggest one was Alex Berenson. He was a skeptic of mRNA vaccines. He pretty much just said that they're not going to be as effective as the government states. And they suspended him for that. We find out this last summer, the Biden administration pressured Twitter to do that. Twitter held direct meetings with Biden officials once a month to sort of ease what they would say COVID misinformation, but really what they did was they eased critics of the White House. So the White House turned Twitter and Facebook into what I would say, not a private industry, but an agent of the government. Yeah, and that's scary as hell, right? When the government's controlling the information? Right, so... What the First Amendment really means, not to preach to anybody, is that the government, the White House and the presidential administration, they cannot suppress critics on account of the First Amendment. They can't say they can't punish you for criticizing them or making fun of them. Well, what they have done now is found a loophole and use big tech to do the dirty work for them. Right. So when Facebook or when the White House tells Facebook, take down a parody account of Dr. Fauci and Facebook does it, that is something the First Amendment tried to protect the government saying, hey, you can't make fun of us. So on behalf of these tech companies, particularly Twitter, the government has been able to censor public opinion. I find that extremely dangerous in a bigger story in the vast majority of conversations the public has. Hey, Bobby, uh, Interesting stuff out of the NBA. There's a lot. Matt Gates responded. This whole Kyrie, uh, Matt Gates, Joe Sy. Matt Gates did not hold back, not even a little bit, against Joe Sy's hypocrisy, the owner of the Nets. No? Yeah, this was um, fantastic. So Kyrie Irving um, sent out a link Friday, um, as your listeners know, to a book. Um, I can't remember the name offhand, but, you know, it, it supposedly has anti-Semitic tropes. I have not read the book or seen the movie, so I can't say if it does or not. Um, I mean, people say it does, so I'll take their word for it. But the owner of the Nets, Joe Sy, comes out and says, I have no tolerance for hate speech and discrimination against religious, race, and ethnic groups. And I'm going to sit down with Kyrie to explain how hurtful that is because I'm a man of faith. Wait a minute. Joe Sy made his fortune by selling tech products and distributing tech products in the region in China in which they hold Muslim Uyghurs in barbed wire camps 
They're committing genocide. They're torturing the Muslim Uyghurs. They're raping the Muslim Uyghur women, and they're forcing sterilization and abortion. So this is not a guy who has zero tolerance for hate towards ethnic groups. He's enabling China by not only giving that region money and access, but he's also, according to ESPN, the face of the NBA's relationship with China. Joe Tsai has had meetings with Adam Silver trying to convince the NBA to do more business with the Chinese Communist Party. So for this guy to come after Kyrie is entirely hypocritical. He is using Kyrie a lot of times to shield from his own undoings and I would say discrimination against the group because he does not care about human rights at all. So when he brands himself as an owner who's bigger than basketball, he's a liar. I love that Gates called him out, though. So do I. Um, it, it reminds me of uh, Senator Josh Hawley two years ago when uh, he called out uh, Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski, for shilling for China. And Woj sent him that email back and uh, got suspended for it. Look, these people need to be called out. They've gotten a pass for so long. They, you, they hate on America for status and business gain, and they kowtow to the Chinese Communist Party, uh, an authoritarian regime. So uh, uh, good to see Matt Gates call him out and props to him. What does Gates does Gates' word have power? I feel like it does. Uh, and and then is Adam Silver a coward here? I feel like Adam Silver with all that's going on, this Kyrie thing. Uh, my brother married a Jewish gal. My nieces and nephews are Jewish. They're like, hey, screw the NBA. If they're not going to do anything about that, screw that. I don't, is, is Silver being a coward here? I think Adam Silver's proven to be a coward from the start. Um, or- start of his reign. I mean, we saw in 2020, he said that we put Black Lives Matter on the court. And he said that this was bigger than basketball, then it hurt the ratings. And in January of the next year, he's like, well, I'm going to take it off here. Um, I think this guy, like a lot of corporate leaders are spineless who just react to public pressure and do whatever protects him. I don't think he has much merit in what he says. I don't think he's a principal person. I think he wants to make a lot of money, stay in power. And power often requires cowardice and you're seeing that with him really for the past, I would say four or five years. Um, so yeah, nothing he does surprises me as far as Matt Gates having influence. I think of course he does in certain circles. Now look in NBA circles, which leans left and woke and young, probably not. There's probably a lot of NBA viewers who don't know Matt Gates or don't like Matt Gates because he's not AOC or Ilhan Omar or, one of those uh, those politicians, um, but no, I think that what you are doing, what Matt Gates did do, was give a lot of attention to a story that was pretty much exclusive to sports circles before. Now it's become a political and news issue, which has a much bigger audience than just a niche sports topic. I agree. Hey, what do you think about going back to Twitter? What do you think about the eight bucks a month? Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to make of this. So anybody can just get verified for $8 a month. Doesn't that defeat the purpose of being verified? Like I thought at one point being verified was cool. Like, hey, I'm, I have a blue check. You don't. If anybody can just buy it and really seem all that cool or, uh, you know, sought after. Um, I don't think I'll pay $8 a month. I, mean, I don't care if I have a blue check or not. I mean, if someone doesn't believe I'm authentic, um, I don't know. I, I don't know that it's really worth $8 a month. Now, 
there is something he said about reducing ads. I do think ads that bombard you can be very inconvenient. So I think some users might prefer that. But if any Smo Joe can get a blue check and act like they're powerful, um, I think that's a mistake. Although I will say this, Elon Musk, when he took over Twitter, previous management did such a bad job in so many areas, including free speech and censorship and creating an open marketplace. But chief among their issues was they failed to monetize the hundreds of millions of users on Twitter. Twitter's never made nearly the money they should, especially compared to Facebook, TikTok, Google, and the other tech services. So he is smart in the sense of trying to rely less on advertisers and try to monetize this massive community of users that so far has not been a simple process. We don't have, we got some celebrities wanting out. Who gives a rat's ass? Don't let the door hit you in the ass is how I look at it. Yeah. I saw some Grey's Anatomy creator writer saying that, um, you know, I find Elon Musk cringe. So I'm going to delete my account immediately. How do you like that? Elon Musk. Oh, oh, uh, Stephen King, a brilliant author. Um, actually quite a few of his books back there, uh, he says that he might leave Twitter immediately and Twitter should pay him to stay on. Um, so Stephen King, um, not sure what type of impact he's supposed to have. But yeah, this is these celebrities being so naive and entitled, thinking that their mere presence matters. Uh, nobody important is threatening to leave us all kind of, I would say, B-list celebrities and people no one really cares about other than like, you know, certain fringe groups. Uh, I find that to be a pretty funny story and also um, pretty unimpactful. I don't think Twitter or Elon Musk particularly cares if some Grammy winning rap artist or rock artist decides to spend more time on TikTok. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh, I'm moving to I'm moving to Canada. Trump wins. Yeah, I'm moving to Canada. Yeah. Pull this in place. Jingle bells. You ain't moving nowhere. Stop it. Right. right. That's exactly what it is. Um, uh, go ahead, Bobby. No, I said, I mean, you saw the same thing uh, a couple weeks ago. People are like, you know, if Twitter doesn't banish Kanye West immediately, we're never going to be back on there. Well, Kanye West account, presumably seems to be activated again, and those people haven't left. So um, I don't think their word carries too much weight. I don't think he even believes them anyways. What, what ultimately, uh, before I let you go, what, what ultimately um, is going to happen here with Twitter? Is, is the $44 billion going to be a good deal for Musk? I feel like he's a guy that doesn't make bad deals. I understand he's trying to save humanity. Uh, is is ultimately the eight dollars or whatever they 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 settle at going to be a massive money maker? What what ultimately happens? Yeah, I mean that goes back to the point we had in your discussion is that Twitter has never been easily monetizable. That despite whatever three hundred million users, it's not nearly as profitable as other social media services. Now that's in part is is comparably smaller than Facebook. It's quite a bit smaller, but still has not made the money it should. Um, Elon Musk paid a premium price for this. Whatever it was per stock, I can't remember the number offhand, but it was much more than the stock was valued at. So just from a pure business standpoint from afar, this was not a savvy business move, right? He's going to have an uphill battle, I think, to make this make business sense. I don't know when you have whatever it is, $220 billion and his desire to create a town hall for all viewpoints. I don't think money, certainly money is not 
the key reason why he bought this. Uh, so I'd be curious to see what he can do financially to make this work. The $8 a month is one way, um, you know, perhaps Twitter can get into live video more and work with content creators, which he mentioned yesterday. He wants to assist them with longer videos, perhaps air full length shows. Um, so I think a lot goes into his vision for it. And not only that, but about how many unique users he can get to consistently use Twitter. So again, I believe it says 23% of American adults are active on Twitter. Likely for him to make a lot of money off this and make this make business sense, given the premium he spent to purchase it, that number is probably going to have to increase. Yeah. Hey, what happens to Kyrie Irving? You think anything, you think he'll ever get suspended for that, what he's done? Uh, I think they would have done it already. Um, people are in power and NBA are usually reactionary. Um, I thought they would have done it. They would have done it. I mean, when he put out that tweet Friday, here we are on Wednesday. They haven't done it. He's played at least one game since then. So I don't see much happening unless, of course, like the Stephen A. Smith really pressure Brooklyn. Um, all of these decision makers tend to bow to immense pressure if it really upticks and people say you have to suspend Kyrie, you have to trade him, you have to release him. Perhaps that would get Brooklyn or the NBA to move. But I think unless something drastic like that happens, I don't see much happening to Kyrie Irving um, about that tweet now, especially because he took it down. Last, la last, last thing. You always talk about this. The biggest fear places like ESPN or the NBA have is being called a racist. I mean, we, yeah. we've seen it. I've said, look, if I'm Robert Sarver, the owner of the Suns, there's no way in hell that I'm selling. You know, because his is workplace involved. I would make amends. I would give money. I would take ownership. I would do all. But no chance am I selling. Given what I've seen out of Draymond Green, Emi Adoka, and now this with Kyrie Irving and the lack of punishment. Um, do you agree with what I'm saying, or is Sarver's thing beyond all this? Well, I, I think you, you bring up a great point about the fear of being called racist. I think what that is, and I wrote this in a piece about Kanye West last week, society punishes thought crimes often more than violent crimes. You know, say what you want about Kyrie Irving, there is more of an uproar over his comments than Draymond Green punching a teammate. Right. There is more uproar over Kyrie Irving's comments than when Aaron Donald swung a helmet and started hitting people in the face. Um, there is more out there. There's more outrage over Kanye West tweets about Jewish people and what he calls a Jewish cabal than rappers who rape people and are pedophiles. So that to me is emblematic of such a backward society where these, we treat athletes and entertainers as thought leaders. First of all, they're not, then we hold them so accountable with their thoughts, but their actions, their physical actions, we dismiss as, oh, they're having a bad moment. Um, so no, in my opinion, Robert Sarver shouldn't sell. And I also think if we're going to excuse Draymond Green, which most of the media seems to have, I, I believe that is a much more concerning development than what Kyrie Irving tweeted on some Friday night.
I agree. I, I, you know, it used to be actions speak louder than words. Now it's just actions. Well, that's all right. Words and tweets matter more. It, it, it is backwards. It is. I mean, I'm not saying that both aren't wrong. I'm just saying that, damn, getting away with actions used to be a bad thing. Actions bad. Words, eh. Hot, the hot shot talent agent, the biggest in the country, Ari Emanuel, who runs William Morris Endeavor, WME, he's calling on Apple and Spotify to remove Kanye West's backlog of music. He wants them to remove his 20, 2005 jingles from the internet. But he's not calling on the rappers who murdered people, who raped people, and committed serious violent crimes. Why is he pressuring them over Kanye? but not those other performers. Somebody should ask him about that. And I would say the same thing to the media pundits who are saying the Nets ought to release Kyrie Irving immediately. Why didn't you spread that same energy over Draymond Green punching a teammate, which was on a video? Um, you know, those are questions that should be asked, but they're not. I agree. I mean, look, again, I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong, right. but God dang, I mean, you... Uh, what, what, I mean, I guess if the guy, Jordan Poole, would have hit his head and died or something, people would have been upset. But I, you're right. I mean, the, the, the media just simply, eh, to violent acts. And, and, and I don't get it. Hey, last, last thing. You've been all over this. You, you, have, um, you have been all over the fact that this particular administration, the Biden administration, and the lying and the – be, uh, I was going to say bullshit, but you said this. America's culture is satire. Our president talks to dead people. Camilla's fighting racism with uh, racism with racist equity. The word woman is in dispute. You, this goes back to an article you wrote that I absolutely love. You're basically saying that the world in the future isn't going to believe how stupid we are in the present, is what you're saying, basically. Absolutely. I mean, at some point in the future, hopefully soon, because I hope that we sort of even out and beyond this sort of bizarro culture and world. But um, yeah, I mean, the premise of that piece is at some point we're going to look back and say, wow, we sat through an administration where the guy in charge came and read a teleprompter. He's talking about it's racist to sit on an airplane and that we need to make amends for tall people who or people of color who had to suffer with not enough leg room. Um, Kamala Harris is was urging in September Florida to only give hurricane relief to communities of color instead of white people. They can just deal with their own destructed homes and life's uproot. Um, I mean, none of this stuff makes any sense. I mean, you make a joke, Babylon B. One of the reasons Elon Musk bought Twitter is Babylon B made a joke about Rachel Levine, a transgender admiral, and they got kicked off. They weren't allowed to make jokes online. Um, I mean, some of this is funny, but it's also sad. And I mean, at some point, hopefully we look back and laugh. But right now, I think it's concerning and just bothersome that we allowed, I would say, a lot of these unintelligent, unimpressive leaders to dictate our lives um, from Fauci to Biden to Harris to a bunch of governors. Um, by the way, hopefully my governor over here loses next week. I don't think she will. But I mean, these leaders have gained power with such unimpressive resumes. Do you, what do you think? Last thing before I let you go, what's going to happen a week, uh, a week from now? Where are we going to be a week from today? What are we going to see? I would predict 
Republicans take both the House and Senate. Um, I've been following the polls pretty closely every day on Real Clear Politics. Um, a lot of momentum heading that way. Um, the big one, Herschel Walker overtook Raphael Warnock in the consensus Georgia poll. Um, what is it, Monday? That's the first time since they started racing. I tracked the, the line graph. Um, Warnock started here. Uh, Walker was down here and now Warnock or Walker is slightly ahead of him. So I think that's the key race, at least nationally. A lot of people are going to be watching who takes the Georgia Senate. Um, I think the House, I'm pretty confident to say Republicans are going to win the House. Senate, I would say semi-confident, but not going to go as far to say that's a done deal. I do think Fetterman, though, is done. I can't imagine he overcomes his past two weeks, which I think just make him look like he's incapable of leading. Um, I don't see him pulling away at all. I would predict Dr. Oz to beat him in that race. What about governors? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of attention here in Michigan over uh, Whitmer, uh, Tudor Dixon. Uh, Fortunately, it looks like Whitmer, Whitmer is got a little bit of a lead. It was double digits around August. Now it's down to about six, seven, depending on the poll. Um, but it does seem like Whitmore is at least the heavy favorite to hold on to the Michigan uh, gubernatorial position. But we've seen upsets before. It's going to be interesting. Bobby, thank you, my friend. You're great. Thanks for your stuff. Cool. Thanks for the time. Awesome. That's America's Conscience, ladies and gentlemen. Bobby Barak, go follow him on Twitter, and you will know. Speaking of rappers, I don't know if you saw this, but there's a popular, it's called Migos, popular Migos rapper Takeoff, fatally shot in Houston in a bowling alley. It was 2 o'clock in the morning, 2.30, actually. There was a dice game. Guy got out a gun and killed him. Now, this is a guy very popular, played at the All-Star game. Now, here's the deal. This is interesting relative to sports. Deion Sanders' team plays in Houston. I believe they play Houston Baptist. Well, Deion Sanders has said he is locking down his team. He's not letting them go out. They, if their families want to see him, you got to go see him at the hotel. And I applaud him for that. You got to be careful. In this day and age, and I always locked my players down, probably wrongfully. Coach Knight always locked us down, and I'm like, look, we're on a business trip. I will argue with people, though, that say nothing good happens after midnight. In this case, obviously it didn't, but a lot of people don't go out until midnight. But honest to God, Jason Whitlock said it, and he said it very poignantly. Rap has a murder problem. Too many young people dead too soon. All right, when we come back, I got What the Hell Wednesday and a big take for you at the end. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. You know, old guys always say, yeah, that guy's like that because he hadn't had his ass beat. No one's ever beat his ass. I'll give you a prime, ex- I'll give you a prime example of a guy that old guys would say, yeah, he never got his ass beat. Look at this Starbucks guy whining about his work day. People wonder why we need a union at Starbucks. And I am literally about to quit. Like, I I don't know if I'm going to do it, but like, I really want to. I almost walked out today and I'm crying in the back room right now and I almost cried on the floor. It's just... I like I get I'm like a full time student. I get scheduled for 25 hours a week, and on a weekend they schedule me the entire day, open to quotes. I'm on the schedule for eight and a half hours. 
both Saturday and Sunday. I'm like three and a half hours into my shift. There's so many customers and we have four people on the floor all day. <laughs> Only five people were put on the schedule and somebody had to call out and there are four people running the whole store and there's so many customers and there's possibly scheduled five people. <laughs> We only have 13 people employed at this store, and there's so many customers. We don't have fair scheduling. Managers don't care about us. Our manager was supposed to come in this weekend, and he took himself off the schedule, so he wouldn't be able to be held accountable for calling out. He just literally tore down the schedule that he was scheduled on and put up a new schedule where he wasn't on the schedule. Also, he couldn't have even seen that he was scheduled in the first place because he didn't want to be held accountable for not wanting to come in. They don't want to help us. We need a union because this can't happen. This can't happen. We need fair scheduling. We need managers to hold themselves accountable for helping their workers. They refuse to turn mobile orders off. We need the liberty to be able to do that because there's so many mobile orders and I need to get through all of them. And then people are yelling at me because they don't have their orders ready. And they don't know what to do. <laughs> and a customer was misgendering me today, like really badly. I didn't have their order ready. And so they were just like, Probably talking to each other and they're like she's clearly incompetent i have a full mustache and then they and then they were yelling at me because i mean i'm a well shut up and work better you know it's time we just shut up and work better it's time look uh the idea that somebody needs their ass kicked probably too strong probably too harsh but a lot of old guys do say that. You know, a guy never had his ass kicked. You get a good ass kick, and next thing you know, you know what happens? <laughs> you know what happens? Ah, next thing you know, you're not worried about all that stuff. You're worried about your nose. I don't know what to tell you, but I will tell you this. I will tell you this. That is more common. That guy is far more common than what you think. Can you imagine? Making a video. This is the victimization of our society. Everybody wants to be a victim. Oh, my God, I'm making orders and I can't stand. Used to be, and I think it was a better world then, and you guys can say it's not, and I really don't care. Used to be, you didn't want anybody to know what a pussy you were. I mean, if you want to know the truth. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Used to be, you, nobody wanted, you, you didn't want anybody to know that you were just a straight pussy, that you were just a guy that, hey, look, man, uh, I'm scared to death of everything. I, I can't fight back. I'm not a man. I, you didn't want anybody to know. I'm just saying. Now you want everybody to know. Now you want everybody to know that, well, they were yelling at me in my order, and I don't know what to do, but everything was bad, and oh, my God, what am I going to do? My God, it's terrible. I'm gonna, Shut up. Walk like a freaking man. Now that's toxic masculinity. Ah, so what? This will be in Barrett's media probably today. So what? Jesus. At some point, I'm not being old grumpy guy here. I'm a very sensitive guy. I am. But I got to tell you, this crap about everybody, and I do mean everybody, trying to be a victim and then putting it out there for everybody to see. Oh, my God. And then all of his friends will be like, oh, I'm so sorry for you. I can't believe that they treated you this way. And that's just not fair. You should too. You should sue. Shut up. Son of a biscuit maker. Nobody smacked your ass. The doctor, when he smacked your ass, did not say, hey, it's going to be easy. The doctor didn't say that. And this little puke, 
He's got more going for him than 99.9%, but he's set. Jesus, give you a freaking headache. Walk like a man. All right, let's go to the next thing. Traces of an ancient ocean. Those of you that get out your telescope and do something other than look at Sweet Susie, the neighbor, those of you that look at Mars, listen to this. Traces of an ancient ocean have been discovered on Mars, raising hopes for alien life. Why are we hoping for alien life? Scientists have long debated whether Mars was once home to an ocean. Now they found proof pointing to a high potential for life on Mars than previously thought. There you go. There's Mars for you. They found clear evidence of a 3.5 billion year old shoreline around 900 meters thick, which covered thousands of square kilometers. Now, it doesn't say it is. It says high potential. These things are complicated. All right, these things are really complicated. But I ain't mad about it. But I don't know why we want aliens. I don't know why we want, you know, other people. Maybe you're just talking about plants growing. But, hey, raising hopes for alien life. Hey, I got enough problem with people. I got no problem with Slappy Johnny here crying over his coffee. Now we got aliens coming down. I don't need it in my life. I know. Maybe you all do. My wife believes we're going to have White Walkers, Dawn of the Dead. If you watch Game of Thrones, you know what I'm talking about. She thinks wars are going to be fought by uh, uh, robots, which I agree with. We're going to have White Walkers walking around, dead people. We're going to have all kind of stuff. Uh, You know what I believe in? I believe in sitting on my ass at the end of the day, drinking a little bit of Glenn Levitt and watching the game. I keep life simple, people. Son of a biscuit maker. We got hopes? Hopes? No. No hopes. I don't want hopes. No hopes. An ancient ocean? No. I don't need it. I don't want it. I don't want to see it. That's for you guys. Cool. If there's an ocean, cool. But I don't need no aliens because in my feeble little brain, let me tell you what aliens are. Those those little guys that come down and they get you. That's always my thing. They get you. All right, you ready? Here's the deal. 122 hearses, a parade of hearses, broke a world's Guinness Book of Records. A trade expo for the funeral industry in South Africa broke an unusual record, ladies and gentlemen. They went with a... We have video of this. Do we have video or a picture? Maybe we have a picture. I don't know. Look at this. Hearses. It looks like race cars. They got cool hearses in South Africa. 123 hearses. One failed to start. It had technical problems. They gave a parade from, here it was, decade-old black cars to the newer white models. Look, here's the deal. When I go, I want it to be in a freaking horse and buggy. Friend of mine, Tim Dunn, you know how the royal family, they wave from the inside of that glass, not the Pope Mobile, but the glass with the horse and buggy. A friend of mine, Tim Dunn, Dunn's Funeral Home, bought one of those. And he's got horses. It costs a fortune, but I don't care. I'm paying for funeral insurance. 
I want a casket in glass. Now, understand, no one's coming to my funeral, and I ain't mad about it. But inside that coffin or hovering above the coffin, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to be going, yeah, that's a badass way to go out. That's a badass way. It ain't just going out like everybody else. Uh Uh-uh. Nuh-uh. It ain't doing that, people. This is a badass way to go out. I want windows. I want horse. I want a guy in a top hat. Or I want a big black hearse. I don't want a white hearse. Too cool. I don't need it. I want people sad. I want people to be like, oh, what a great guy. I need sadness at my funeral. And then I'm paying for a party. True story. I'm paying for a party at my own funeral. I'm not mad at it. Nothing wrong with that. The hell. But I want a horse and buggy. Dunn's funeral home. Ask for Tim Dunn. Bowling Green, Ohio. Just telling you. Who wouldn't want a horse and buggy? I do. I want to be the royal family on my death. All right. Maine is not happy. Maine, you know how you get license plates, vanity plates? Well, people are taking them a little too far in Maine. All right. They're saying, hey, look, they established rules last year. All right. Look, you got to ban derogatory references to, listen to this, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, gender identity, national origin, religion, and disability. Also ban I date moms. That's nice. There's nothing wrong with that. There's 124 vanity license plates on the road. 400 of them are offensive. They're cracking down. I don't blame them. Actually, I do blame them. Is there anything better than the ass man? You know what I'm talking about, you Seinfeld lovers. You know the ass man, Cosmo Kramer, got license plates that weren't his. A proctologist just so happened that he went to said proctologist, saw his boat in a picture on the wall. Ass man. We need more ass man license plates. I would go the other way when elected governor. It's going to happen in about 10 years. I would go the other way. I would say, all right, all license plate, like I date moms, they got to be clever. Certainly they can't be racist or sexist or incite violence, but they got to be clever. I ain't mad at you if you're clever. But if you ain't clever, I don't want nothing to do with you. Nothing. This is bad. This is not good. I mean, don't do this. Allison Fluke Ekron, who led ISIS, a battalion of ISIS, gets 20 years in prison. Now, what are we doing? Why only 20? See, to me, I think they should be more. I think there should be more. I think this woman should get whatever. The problem is this. Uh, When you're leading an ISIS group, I don't know, seems like to me uh, you ought to be gone for a long time. I mean, ISIS Kansas lady. Let's not lead ISIS groups. Let's not do that. Let's try to, like, I don't know, get rid of ISIS. I feel like ISIS uh, was gone. I feel like I haven't heard the term ISIS in a long, long time. Now I'm hearing ISIS. I don't want to hear ISIS. She got 20 years in the slammer. 
should get 20 more. Don't be ISIS lady. You ever see the videos of ISIS? And I'm being dead serious here. You see the things that they do, the horrific things that they do? It's not good. It isn't. It is not good. And the fact of the matter is, if you're going to be involved in ISIS and you're going to be in the United States, she was considered the empress of ISIS. She was training and leading an all-female ISIS unit. She doesn't look young enough to only get 20 years. She doesn't look young enough for that. She looks like she needs to be older. Like, she needs to get 70 years. She looks like, what is she, 35, 40? She brainwashed people. She's 42. She brainwashed people. She pled guilty to terrorism. She admitted to leading the Kabita Nusaba, an all-female battalion that is built around 100 women and girls. As young as 10 years old, she was teaching girls how to use grenades, automatic weapons, suicide belts. See that picture of that lady there? This is a truly evil woman. This is a truly ate-up woman with evil intentions. She needs to be gone forever. Like, I just put her away. Seriously. Just put her ass wherever the hell it is that none of us have to ever see her again. Ever. Never, ever. Let's just make sure that this don't happen and continue to squash this. It just makes good sense. Damn. ISIS lady in the United States. All right. Couple of things. When you go about the business of, of the World Series, a couple of things come into play. I'm already tired of something. I'm already tired of, well, the bullpen is rested. Let me tell you something. Can I just tell you something? Screw the bullpen is rested. Everybody should be available every minute of every day. Well, you're going to hurt your arm. So what? You got a chance to win a World Series. Well, bullpens are important. I know. And if your guy's not rested, don't pitch him. Pitch the other guy. But that's all I heard. Well, you know, they extended Suarez, so now the bullpen is fine. Look, stop it. It comes down to this. Can anybody get a timely hit? And, oh, by the way, Lance McCullers, I think I speak, well, I know I speak for me, and I speak, I think, for most of Houston. Ball's coming in across the plate about this high, about 85, that don't do this or don't do that or don't do that are going to get hit so far by this Phillies team that you're not going to be able to find them, and that's exactly what happened. So, Lance McCullers, you throw 98, all right? You throw 98, throw the fastball. Give yourself a chance. All right, let's get the woke dope in here, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see what we got. We got some woke dope Yeah. He spoke to a doctor who invented insulin and died before he was born. Like, what are we doing here? This is, you can take out the woke here. This is just a dope. This is every day. This guy gets up there and lies. This is every single day. When you 
open up Twitter or you go to the news, this guy lies. Now, you don't see it much on the news. You got to go to Fox News. But every single day, my son died in Iraq. No, he died six years after being in Iraq. Inflation is low. No, it's 8.4. I went yesterday to a car dealer to get a new car. My car had 156,000 miles on it, or 150,000 miles on it. It jumped. I'm like, all right, I got a car dealership that I do ads for. So we worked out a deal. I asked, I go, what's the deal here? He goes, man, interest price are just through the roof. Even if you're a rock star, it's at eight and it's going to get higher. 6.3. I go, what was it before this clown got in? Eh, half that. No kidding. So interest rates are through the roof. Inflation is 8.4. And every day this guy tells us that he, he and his administration have seen no rise in inflation. Wages are up. Gas prices are down. My God. Every single day. Can you put that back up? Now, I want you to understand what happened here. So the president of the United States, the president, decided that he, for whatever the reason, was going to tell us that he, the president of the United States, spoke to a doctor that invented insulin. This is what he said. He said he spoke to the doctor who invented insulin, and it turned out the man who invented insulin died before the president was born. Why? Why? How many of you know someone with diabetes and needs insulin? Do you know how much it costs to make the insulin drug for diabetes? It was invented by a man who did not patent it because he wanted to make it available for everyone. I spoke to him, okay? It was never invented. It's a hormone produced in the body. It was discovered by Frederick Banting. Frederick Banting died at age 49. February 21st, 1941. Biden was born November 20th, 1942. We all have that friend that you're like, yeah, whatever he says, I ain't listening to. Gary Sheffield Jr. says, to be fair, Biden is practically dead. Well, he's true. He claims to have met a man that invented insulin. When insulin isn't invented, it's a hormone. And the guy died before Biden was born. This is the president of the United States. This is the person. When you listen to Biden, here's what you hear. You hear the same bullshit that politicians have been saying for years. That's why I actually liked when Trump was going off, because at least Trump would talk like people. At least Trump would talk like human beings. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know, I invented the question mark. I did. I invented the smirk. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know, I talked to the man that invented baldness. Let me know today who you've spoken to 
that you obviously could never, ever have spoken to. And I will be interested in hearing from you, but this is where your voting is so important. Are we going to get stuck with this same old crap? And I'm going to say this every day. Is that what you want? You want to turn on a TV and look at a guy with black eyes going, that can't read a teleprompter, that can't walk across the street, that has the respect of nobody. Is that what you want in this country? That can't stop lying. That actually, if you go back in history to Joe Biden and his speeches, he's the most racist president we've ever had. Literally the most racist. And I'll never understand how you Democrats can stand behind him. I'll never understand how people impoverished in big cities can vote for another Democrat. I won't understand it, and I'll never understand it. You can explain it to me, and I'll laugh, but poor has stayed poor, and violent crime has stayed in the cities, and it continues to stay in the cities as we continue to have Democratic leadership. And I got to tell you, I'm not even a staunch Republican. I am a staunch pay attentioner. I pay attention. I go, huh, look at this. Basically, every major city in the country is run by a Democrat. And basically, every major city is, oh, I don't know, has a problem. This just in. Dan Snyder, Forbes magazine has this. Listen to this. Dan Snyder has hired Bank of America to sell the Washington Commanders. Dan Snyder has retained the Bank of America. He is trying to sell the Washington Commanders. That just came out. Dan Snyder had a great, 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 great day on Sunday. He went into Indianapolis and he beat the owner that criticized him. Only problem is that's just on the field. The problems for Daniel Snyder are long. And you got to give Jimmy Ursay a little bit of credit because Jimmy Ursay said something. He stood up. He said, we got to look at it. He was right. And now Daniel Snyder has apparently, apparently decided, hey, I'm going to sell. There you go. Good for the NFL. Good for us. You know what I care about? All I care about when I watch football is who the hell's winning and who the hell is losing. You know what I mean? That's it. I don't give a rat's about any of these guys' public policies other than if they're defending groups, offending groups. I don't care about an owner. I don't care even about our own owner. I like to watch football. I don't care about all the commercials. You guys get up in arms about who's in commercials. I don't care about any of them. I just watch and I like. So Daniel Snyder, get the hell out. Get somebody in here that's an actual human being. Uh, I don't know if you know this. You know who Mattress Mac Mac is? So Mattress Mac is a big gambler, and I know the guys on 360 had him on. He's an interesting guy, fun guy, bets a lot of money to win a lot of money, stands to make $75 million if the Astros win. Mattress Mac was in Philadelphia yesterday. You know what happened. Boom! Boom, 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 man, they kept hitting home runs on Matrick Max, Mac. They kept hitting home runs on his team. Well, he's 71 years old. His name is Jim McInvigley, whatever. All right. 
Mattress Mac had to be held back by his girlfriend because, well, Mattress Mac's team got their ass beat in a city that lets you know when they beat your ass. They beat Mattress Mac's Dupayage. They let him know, and Mattress Mac wasn't having it. He wanting to throw hands at 71. That's right. I support you. I got pillows over there. Dockage is 50 and over fight club. We're making it Dockage is 60 and over fight club now. That's right. Then it'll be 70 and older fight club. You're damn right. You don't mess with Mattress Mac. But I'll tell you this. If I'm Mattress Mac, I'm not sure I'm showing up in Philly tonight. I don't need the aggravation. What do I tell you guys? Don't complicate winning. Don't complicate your life. Life is good for Mattress Mac. Hey, if you can bet that much money to win that much money, you know what that means? That means you got a lot of money. Doesn't it? So don't be fighting with people. Don't be throwing hands with people. Enjoy your scratch. Enjoy what you're doing. Have a good time, Mattress Mac. And hope like hell that the Astros beat the Phillies. Yeah, do that. But anyway, so my Colts are tanking. The Bears are building. The Broncos are taking. Miami thinks they're going to make a run. And the Packers did nothing for one of the whiniest guys on the face of the earth. That is Aaron Rodgers. What a day. I'll be back at it noon to three. I'll be talking about the fact that, hey, listen, Frank Reich, decides that now he's going to be the offensive coordinator. We'll be talking to Jason Bonetti. We'll be talking to a variety of people because, listen, I like talking, and I don't get enough just two hours here a day. But thanks to everybody, Ryan and Dylan and Corey and Aaron and everybody involved in this show, I cannot tell you how happy I am to be here. Be a girl dad today. I had a nice talk with my daughter yesterday. You can catch it all day right here at outkick.com. Have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon, everybody.